Let's do a session this morning. It's called Life is Short, Work Hard. That's what we're talking about this morning. My goal is just to kind of give you a biblical understanding, a better understanding of how we could think about work, especially as we think about God's Word. Also trying to keep you awake and get you out of here in a reasonable time. Sound good? Can I see who's had me for junior high? I'm a lot of you, right? Yeah, a lot of you look super familiar. Uh, if we haven't met, I'm, I'm Jay. I'm one of the pastors at Grace Church. I wear a lot of hats, but one of them mainly is junior high. You may think that's weird. Like, what's a junior high pastor know about hard work? Yeah. All he does is four square games. Gaga ball. You get it. Hands out candy from time to time. Is that hard work? I'm not talking about my principles of work or my thoughts or beliefs about work. We're just going to look at God's word. And I want to do that this morning. Help us think about and learn from the ultimate worker. Uh, Let him instruct us how we think about work. Allow him to instruct us on why we should work and work hard. And God's word has a ton to say about work. So much we could look at could do 19 sessions on work, but I want to just kind of hone us in on one spot. I want you to turn your Bible to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, a spot I think will serve us well this morning. While you turn, let me kind of, I don't know, get our brains awake or whatever. Let's get them turning on this topic of work. Why is this session necessary? Why do we have to talk about like being hard workers? Why is this something that even needs to be addressed? Uh, The answer is this work ethic is not what it used to be. Work ethic just isn't what it used to be. And work ethic is all that stuff. It's uh, people who want to work. If you don't, aren't sure what work ethic is. People who like are dependable, who show up, who work hard, who pay attention, who want to give their best effort, like who are you know, deserving of that paycheck, that kind of stuff, work ethic. That work ethic is on the decline. Last few generations, we see this becoming more and more and more of a problem. And this isn't one of those, you know, back in my day kind of parent statements. Like, we used to walk to school uphill both ways in the snow. Like, it's, that's, not, that's not what this is. This is not exaggerated. It's just true. Hardworking people are becoming more and more difficult to find. And there's, I think, lots of reasons why. It could be the way that technology has kind of changed the way that work happens. Um, Lots of changes. The landscape of work has changed and kind of things people can do. could be parenting, like parents just requiring less and less of their children, like people are becoming adults with like a a fundamental misunderstanding that work is something that's expected or work is something that they are supposed to do. We see a lot of that. Problem could be the expectation that we deserve to be provided for, that we have this like thought like, oh, you know, you should provide for me, parent or someone else or government, whatever, like you take care of me, you provide for for my needs. So many reasons why hard workers are disappearing. The common characteristic of most people, though, if we look back maybe even just a hundred years, most people used to be really hard workers. That was just not, it would be weird or rare to find somebody who didn't have good work ethic. 
And those reasons that I just listed could be part of their problem, but I think the real issue is this. It's our culture's growing separation and desire to distance ourselves from God. Really believe that's the number one problem. I don't think that shocks most of us here this morning. We see this happening in our culture all the time. You could live in the most isolated kind of environment and still see this and still get this. People don't want God involved at all in our world. We don't want him in our schools. We don't want him in our communities. We don't want political leaders who who talk about God or are influenced by God. We just don't want God's input and influence anywhere. Why? The answer is without God, there's no morality. There's no authority. There's nobody to tell us what's right, what's wrong. There's nobody to tell us what should be done or what shouldn't be done. Without God, everyone's free to do what's right in their own eyes. I just get to do whatever I think I should do. We see that kind of desire increasing. Everyone's just free to live with, you know, the big eye in charge. If God is removed, then people don't have to be confronted by someone else being an authority, someone else being more powerful than them, someone who's capable to judge them. Which is why we just, oh, let's just get God out of this equation here. Without God, there's freedom to live however you want. You're in charge. You're the boss. It's just nobody to tell you what to do. See it all around us, right? Whatever it takes to make you happy, do it. You deserve it. Your happiness is all that matters. Over and over and over, we hurt. Don't worry about who you hurt. Don't worry about the consequences. Don't worry about anybody else. It's just you kind of the, the message of our culture. So when we can reject God's standards for the way we're supposed to live, then we can do whatever it takes to make sure that we're happy. I'm just going to focus on me. Without God, people can, man, they put themselves first in every situa- situation. There's just no reason to feel guilty about anything. And people can behave with, without God, they can behave however they want. So think about it. Without God, marriage isn't what it used to be. It doesn't mean anything anymore. Sexual orientation becomes a personal preference. Without God in our culture, you know, even changing your anatomy becomes possible. Remove God and you can just remove the standards for everything. Everything. Especially what we're talking about this morning, including that word everything, is the word work. How we think about Work. How does this change? Our culture's pushed out God and the desire to work hard has gone with it. I think that's the case because people are just no longer accountable to God. People no longer really care about working to please God. God isn't my judge. There's no reason to work hard for God, no reason to work hard for anybody else. I'm just going to do whatever makes me happy. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. I'm not mindful of God in the slightest So people aren't working as the image bearers of God that they're supposed to be. They're not not doing this. They're living sinfully and selfishly, and they're really only caring and concerned with self. So as our society kind of spirals more and more out of control, work's going to only become more complicated. Work's going to become this place where it's just more and more of a self serving environment. Just here for me. I'm just here to to mainly 
help myself. People have a flawed understanding of the purpose of work. And when you put a a bunch of people around each other for eight hours every day and they're living that me first kind of lifestyle, it's not going to take long to see this. Work's going to become this place of just this source of frustration and friction and problems and, and disagreements and dissatisfaction and this like growing sense of discontentment for what you do and who you work for. And we live this way without God. We see this all the time. And then you kind of sprinkle in a bunch of people who don't really feel like they have to work or they expect somebody just to take care of them and provide for them and, you know, make sure that they have what they need. And and then you just have this perfect recipe for nobody wanting to work. Nobody wants to work anymore. In Matthew 22, Jesus answers one of the Pharisees kind of trick questions about the greatest commandment and the law. He, He answers it this way. Jesus says, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. When God is our authority, we live with God in mind all the time. We're to work with God in mind all the time. We have this ultimate and daily responsibility to God, but also to to others, to love others and and care for others, this secondary concern God wants in our lives. And when God is removed, there is now not only this lack of, of work ethic, but there's no responsibility to God and there's no concern for anybody else. No love for God, no love for neighbor. It's all about me. You see how this works, right? You see how this ties together, how this is connected. You guys, it's always the struggle when God isn't in his rightful place in our life. It's always the struggle. I'm just going to start living in a way that I'm not supposed to be. It negatively impacts every part of your life when God isn't where he's supposed to be. And that certainly includes work. So with those kind of thoughts in our head, I just I want to kind of cruise through this section here in 2 Thessalonians 3, see what God's word has to say for us on this issue of work. 2 Thessalonians 3, we'll start in verse 6. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It's not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone's not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly to earn their own living. So much to say about 2 Thessalonians, Paul has 
just been writing to these believers here, this church, so many issues that they're dealing with, but I kind of want to just keep us focused here on work and, and let me draw our attention to that. Something here in this church has these believers in this state of chaos or crisis over this issue of work. And these are believers. Paul talking to brothers, notice that in verse six, brothers and sisters in Christ. This isn't Paul exhorting the non-Christians who are at the church or in the community. This is Paul talking to those who are followers of Jesus, men and women who've been saved by the grace of the gospel. And the gospel it beautifully shows us that our relationship with God isn't based on anything that we've done or anything that we could do. You guys know that, and you've heard that about the gospel. You're, you're learning that. The gospel is about what Jesus has done by dying on the cross and paying for our sin. It's, it's the gospel that we understand brings us out of darkness into light. It's the gospel that we understand is what rescues us from death and gives us eternal life. And we, we see that in, as we follow Christ, we're saved, but we're, we're transformed. The gospel transforms your life. The gospel gives you this new life and new purpose and new master and new desires. You become a new creation in the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature. The old has passed away, the new has come. You're just, in the gospel, you're not who you used to be at all. It's a, it's a new transformed life, and it's not just transformed for this one moment of salvation, but it's a life that continues to change, continues to be transformed. Part of this transformed life is the way that you work. You're no longer just living for you, no longer distant from God with no authority other than your own. You, you now live for God, you work for God, and you have a desire to work for him and to work for others. It's not always perfect, but it's, it's, it's there and it, sh- it should be growing. We don't always, you know, we don't, we don't always do it right every time as we're first saved. There's a lot of learning and a lot of growing that has to happen. That fruit that we're producing as that new Christian, it's so small at first. Sometimes it even makes us question whether or not we're saved, but we look for that evidence of fruit. But as, as we grow and as we're continually transformed, that fruit grows and it gets bigger and we see God's work in our life more and more and more. Our life transformed by the gospel. Your work too is in this same state of transformation. So for these believers here in Thessalonica, they were not living transformed in this area of work. That's what Paul's addressing here. This is a problem. Hey, brothers and sisters, you've been redeemed, you've been transformed, but you're not living like it in this area of work. Commentators want to, you know, write massive books on the reasons why, and you can read it. Maybe it's because of some of the things Paul talked about in this letter. They were super amped that Jesus was coming back, like that week. That's just kind of how they were living, how they were thinking about the return of Christ, which 
on the surface isn't a, isn't a bad thought, like to just anticipate God's return. They were so excited, but they got a little ahead of themselves. They, they started to do some strange stuff, like stop working and sell their stuff and just like wait for Jesus to come back like on Thursday. And when he didn't come back, it turned into a problem pretty fast. The, the things they need for life and food and all, they didn't have jobs anymore. So they're in a little bit of trouble. That could very well be the issue. Their culture also had like a, just a common theme of the very wealthy elite provided for those who were very, very poor. It's very possible that that's what's going on in this church too, that these people were becoming Christians and, and now they're in the church, but they're just wanting to kind of still live the same way. Well, I mean, these guys have provided for me all these years. Why would I work now? Why would I change anything now? Possible. They could also just, you know, hate work or be lazy. I don't know. It could be one of those or all of them, but it doesn't really matter because Paul's instruction here is it's just helpful no matter the source of this this bad work. These believers were not working, and Paul calls them, look at verse 6, idle or those walking in idleness. I would, I would circle that or underline it if, if you do that in your Bible. This, that word idle or, or walking in idleness, you guys, it's so much more instructive that, than just these people were lazy. It's a word that means like uh, disorderly or unruly. And you could write this down. It's, it's living in a way that isn't right, uh, living in a way like just doing what shouldn't be done. We can understand this. It should be transformed, living, transformed work, but it's not. Instead of being busy with work, focused on work, there's a different way of walking, of living. Paul says you're, you're busy bodies. We'll talk about that here in a minute, but it's, it's being busy with the wrong stuff. It's being focused on the wrong things. It's not what it should be. It's, it's disorderly. They're living, and, and I, I like to think of it this way, living out of line with God's purpose, living out of step with God. By not working, they're, they're out of step with the way God calls them to live. It's, it's not walking to please the Lord as Paul instructed them in his first letter of 1 Thessalonians Chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Look, brothers, finally, here, here it is. We ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you, you, you get everything okay? As you receive from us, if he was choking, I was just going to save his life right there. <laughs> session over. Uh, <laughs> 1 Thessalonians 4, 1, this is what Paul says. Finally, then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. Just as you're doing, do so more and more. Keep doing it. Keep walking in the Lord. Keep living to please God. But in this area of work, they were not doing it. So let's kind of just unpack this. Try to look at it in kind of three parts. I want to show you God's purpose of work. And then we're going to also see just how God's example shows us why work is so valuable, and then we'll look at some of God's blessings. But let's look first at this, God's purpose. Work is part of God's purpose for your life. You should absolutely write that down. Work is part of God's purpose for my life. To not work is to misunderstand what God's doing, to not grasp what God really wants us to do with our life. This is where being a hard worker begins. Paul 
I think, can say what he does because he really knows his Old Testament. And this isn't some obscure passage in like Habakkuk or something. Paul's talking about a passage that all of us know very well. It's a passage that has been mentioned in almost every sermon we've had here this week. He's talking about the creation account in Genesis. Paul knows God's a worker and that our understanding of work begins here. God is our creator and his creation, he called it good. And you know what's part of that good creation? Work. Let me read it for you. Genesis chapter one, verse 27. Listen to this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them and God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that's on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens, to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and morning the sixth day. All this is before Adam and Eve totally blow it. This is pre-sin, pre-fall. So many people think that work is part of the curse. Oh, Adam and Eve, if it wasn't for Adam and Eve, we wouldn't have to work. Wrong. Wrong. This is here in God's plan. Adam was to work. And did you hear why? Did you catch it? Why was he supposed to work? So he could do what? Eat. Did you hear it? So he could eat. Work isn't some punishment for sin, no matter you know, how much you hate your summer job or whatever. Like, it's not because of sin. It's because we don't understand what work's purpose is. We have a bad understanding of, of work being part of God's you know, design in creation. God's purpose for you is to work, and our major problem with it is that is really just that. It's because we have to work. It should be that sin makes work so much harder. You just have to go over one chapter to see this. You only have to see this in, in, in chapter 3, verse 17. The ground is cursed. Curses the ground because of you, God says to Adam. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you're taken, you're dust, and to dust you're going to return. Because of sin... Listen, get this. Because of sin, that work is so much harder. These thorns and thistles, that was not supposed to be part of the design for work. It's much more difficult now and work is tough. But notice this one very important thing. Work still produces food. You're still supposed to work so that you can eat. And this is one of God's primary purposes for our life. Work isn't a punishment. It's, it's something that God wants us to do. God wants you to work. As we look at what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 3, we notice in verse 6 that not working is the opposite of, of what 
He taught them. It's the opposite of the example that he lived in front of them while he was with them. Paul says in verse 8 that neither he nor nor anyone else who was with him ate anyone's bread for free. He, he, He paid for it. How? With toil and with labor. And he worked and they worked and they worked night and they worked day. They weren't a burden to anyone around them. Probably that provision of bread is more than just food. It's, it's probably, you know, room too, room and board. Like somebody's paying a pretty large expense to put them up. And Paul says, we're not going to be a burden. We're going to work and we're going to pay for this. They're a great example of this command that he lays out here in verse 10. When we first hear it, it's like, it's, it's a little bit harsh to our ears, but he says, if anyone's not willing to work, he doesn't eat. Let him not eat. This isn't like, this isn't Paul's personal preference. Okay. This isn't like, Hey, here's how we're going to live. We're going to do keto gluten-free life. And also if anybody doesn't work, no, that's not, this isn't like Paul's mantra. Okay. Where does Paul get this? I, I believe it's from Genesis three, verse 19, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. When Adam and Eve sinned, they broke God's command and their sin brought about this curse, this twisting, this disorder, this making work harder. It made a mess of the way God intended life to be. Adam and Eve were out of line, out of step with God's intention and work is something that God still desires for them. Why? To help them get back in line with him. It's so important. Same is still true for us today. We need to eat. You guys eat a lot, like 12 times a day. You're reminded that you, you, you're hungry, you need to eat. How do we eat? Well, we're supposed to work. We're supposed to have money to, to buy food and, and do all this. And it doesn't matter that our work is much more difficult now. When we work, oh, we recognize that we're, we're under God's authority we, we recognize that we're under God's order and we're working to, to please him and to serve others. This passage is great here, but it's about so much more than just being lazy. So much more or being idle. Not working puts you out of step or out of line w- with God. It, it, it places you in a position where you're outside of God's purpose for your life. Young people not wanting to work, it's, it's disorder. When we don't, we, we disrupt the way that God intends our life to be. Life is short. We've heard it these last two days. So, you know, what are we supposed to do? Or our instinct is like, well, I'm not going to waste it working. <laughs> life is short. You know, YOLO or whatever. I don't know what it is anymore. But you, 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 you live this way. I just want to enjoy my, my minutes and my hours. I don't want to waste it in a cubicle or whatever else. I, I, I want to enjoy it. Life is short. The answer isn't forget work. As we come to God's word, we see this. It's not forget work. It's the opposite. It's do what I intended you to do. Work and work hard. If you're a Christian, your job is to reflect God's goodness to the watching world. Your, your job is to show the world, hey, this is how things are supposed to be. It's good to do this. It's good to, to work and to work like this because God intends this for 
life and for your life. Not working is it's just not going to do that. It's not going to show how, how God purposes life to look. It's a huge problem. So again, this is why Paul says, hey, don't forget what I taught you. Don't forget how we lived in front of you. Work is God's purpose for your life. Number two, God's example. We should work because of who God is. Yep, we have Paul's example here in this text. Paul's working, he's sweating, he struggled. He did it so he could provide for himself. He did it so he, you know, his life would be an example to these believers. Yeah, he had the right to expect them to, to pay him to be his pastor, but he didn't want to do it that way. This would be a better way and a, a better example to this church of, of what work looks like. So he worked. He didn't mooch. He didn't leech off of anybody. They worked and they ate and they paid. You guys, probably a lot of you know a lot about Paul and he made tents and he's a, a leather worker. It's not an easy job. That was a hard job. And they did it all day. It was a struggle. That's the kind of words Paul used. It was, it was tough. It was intense. You know, he's a tent maker. I see the pun there. I didn't mean to do that. But that's what is happening. Paul's like, look, I did hard work. I wanted you to see it. But I think he's telling them this because he wants them to know, like, I'm not commanding you or telling you to do something that I wasn't willing to do myself. I was willing to do this as well. And he wants them to have this human example, but I think better because you know, Paul's also following Christ. He, he learned this from God himself. God's example of work is so sufficient. God is a worker. And so often we limit God's work to creation, or maybe we don't think about God working at all. I don't, I don't know how you think about that, but God's in his work shows us over and over. He is a worker. The creation account that we just read in Genesis 1, God shows us the kind of worker that he is and God's work in in providence, the way that he works everything together to accomplish his will. God's work in sustaining life, Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. How he's holding everything together by the word of his power. God's work in judgment. God's work, and prayerfully for this week, God's work in redemption. Praying that, that God would save so many of you. Salvation is God's work. It belongs to the Lord. So God is absolutely a worker God gave so many different kind of commands to his people, but one that's helpful, Exodus 20, verse 8, he says, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you should work and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So work six and rest one. He he already showed us how to do that in creation. Work six and, and rest one. Work was always God's design for us to be this demonstration of of being created in God's image. When we work, we we reflect the one who made us. When we work, we show the world what God is like and we reflect his glory to the world. So we see that. It's so good. God's purpose, God's example. I want to just kind of give you this last part, God's blessing. Why should we work? God's blessing. God tells us to work, you guys, and the benefits are so many. So many reasons to work. Talk about the New Testament a little bit. Ephesians six six to eight. When we're to work, we're to work us to the Lord and, and not to men. We're, we're to we're to work to the to the Lord first. And you know, I know only some of you have jobs in here, but so likely that 
The time's going to come when you're going to have a boss that you do not care for. It's not, it may probably not a believer and you're working for this person and they're not that great of a boss or whatever. It's interesting how even just when we have the, the right perspective of work, how we understand this guy that I'm working for, this, this lady or whatever, yeah, you pay me, but I'm not working for you. I'm working for the Lord. Like I'm working with God's focus in mind. I know that what I'm doing has his attention. I know that my work has his eye. Yes, you're my boss, but, but Christ is my master. I'm working for him. I'm working to please him, <laughs> not so much you. And that's a benefit for us. That, that helps us. People here in Thessalonica are not working. And Paul could have said so many things. He could have hammered that Exodus 20 verse. Like, it's case closed. God said it. Work six, rest one. It's done. But he doesn't. Paul could have talked about God's example, but he, he doesn't. Paul could have quoted Solomon. We heard this yesterday in, in the morning session from Ecclesiastes. He could have talked about how work is a gift from God, that it's, it's from God's hands. It's a gift. And even to think about your job that way, that God chose this job for me to do. God gave me the, the talents and abilities to actually do this job. So helpful when we think about it like that. Work is for our good. It keeps us busy. It gives us something to do. It gives us purpose, especially when we work for him and not for ourselves. Work gives us meaning in life, helps us avoid idleness, helps us provide for ourselves. but also this, it helps us provide for the need of others. Paul says you're out of line if you don't work. You're out of step with God, not living the way God made you to live. How absolutely backwards for a believer to live every day of his life thinking that he exists to be served, thinking that he is around, he or she is, is here for someone else to provide for them and, and take care of them. How opposite God in, intends for those who are his to be like him, to, to serve, not to be served. We're to be generous and, and sacrificial as we think of others. We're to love others and serve others and care for others. God says so much about our relationships with each other in the New Testament. They're called the one another commands. There's like 58 God cares a ton how we interact with each other. It's, he's very aware of the, the difficulty there, so he gives us some help. And here's a few. Be devoted to one another, Romans 12.10. Serve one another, 1 Peter 4.10. Bear one another's burdens, Galatians 6.2. Great spot in Philippians. Paul just hammers this. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but also the interests of others. This is but one reason why work is an expectation of our lives. God wants us to not only be able to provide for ourselves, but also to help others. See how this connects back to what God's purpose is for us? We're to love him and serve others, care about others. Here it is. We're to be generous to one another, to be kind and give and help and serve. And so often that takes money. It takes money to, to take somebody a meal or, 
or whatever way we're going to serve them. And, and this is what Paul reminds these believers here. This is what I've taught you. This is what I lived in front of you. This is what you need to do. And when you don't, not only do you not work, but you become this busybody, as Paul says in verse 11. You're not doing what you should be doing, and instead you're doing the thing that you shouldn't be. You become this busybody. You're in everybody's business. You're not working. Not all the time. What are you doing? What's going on? Meddling. Just putting my nose where it doesn't belong. Messing with people and interested in everybody else. Poking around and this busybody, get this, isn't actually busy. It's just more of a troublemaker. You love spending time meddling and bugging and a a busybody is it's somebody who's destructive you become somebody who who really only serves themselves you're not really serving anybody else the opposite of what you're supposed to be doing again work brings blessing if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing you just don't have that kind of time to be honestly just annoying everybody (laughs) it's really what he's talking about here you bug, <laughs> go get a job, spend your time doing something else. Here it is. Work brings blessing. Jobs keep you out of trouble and gives you the opportunity to serve others and also provide for yourself. Look at verse 12. Christians work and they do their work quietly and they earn their own way. No, I've been thinking about this a lot, just trying to process what Paul's getting at here why would Christians work quietly? Why would he instruct them to work quietly? I've had a lot of different jobs in my years. I've, I've worked at a restaurant. I've worked at a uh, golf retail place selling golf clubs. And uh, I've worked construction for a real long time. I've worked at the church. Uh, all, all my jobs have been so interesting. And Honestly, besides working in ministry, even though it does happen there from time to time, those other jobs, those secular jobs, you know what happens when you're not living with this kind of understanding of work, when you're not living as God intends you to, when you're not living transformed in your work? People who don't live that way, you know what they do? They just, they complain. They talk about their work. They complain about what they have to do. They complain about their boss. They complain about their schedule. They, they grumble about every part of it, every, other employees. And can you believe this? Can you believe that? Blah, 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 blah. I think that's what Paul's talking about here. Because young people, and, and listen to this, when you have the right perspective of work, doesn't it seem so odd then to go to this job and do this work and, and just grumble about it the whole time? God wants me to work. He gave me this job. He's given me the talents and resources to be able to do this work. And when I do, it's so good for me. Not only do I get to eat, but I get to be a blessing to others and it keeps me out of trouble. Like now to complain and and grumble about work just doesn't make sense. And also when you do that, do you know who notices? These, these, these people around you at work, these unbelievers around you, now you really are doing what God intends you to do. You're reflecting him to the world. There's something about you that's different. Something about you that's different. Again, Philippians 2, Paul says, don't grumble or complain. Don't, don't live this way. 
don't do this. You live as, as, as this light among this twisted and dark generation. That's what we're called to do. And one of the best places we get to do it is work. It's work. I have no idea what time we're supposed to be done. Let me do this. Let's do this. Let me give you a couple of practical things as we think about and just kind of tie this together. What are we supposed to do with this? Let's, let's apply some of this truth for work. Surely God then wants all of us to be missionaries and you know, pastors or women's ministry leaders or children's directors or something in the church, right? That's what we're all aimed at. You'd be surprised how many people think that that's true. That's not what this is. All jobs, and maybe just write this down, number one, some practicality. All jobs can display the image of God. All jobs are important. Don't think that only ministry jobs are important to God or, or matter to God. Yeah, you know, Jesus was a preacher for, you know, three years, but he was a carpenter for a lot longer, 15 or 20. I'm not sure when he started, but he was a carpenter for a long time. All jobs fall into our calling to follow the Lord and, and put his image on display. No such thing as a Christian job. After the Protestant Reformation, listen to this, read this great Great line here. After the Protestant Reformation, the concept of one's job was revitalized by Martin Luther, who argued that all work and vocation, all work, and it was just it was glorifying to God, all of it, not just the role of the minister. Luther argued that work is not just about what you do, but about what God does through you in your calling. I'm going to say that one more time. Maybe just try to jot it down. Work's not about what you do, but about what God does through does through you at your job. Luther believed that the world is God's good creation and our calling and our job is to serve Christ in our particular state of life, to watch God work through us for the good of others. Um, young people, you can serve the Lord. You can, you can work hard for him. You can fulfill his purpose you can receive those benefits no matter where you work. Chick-fil-A. Which is a good call. I mean, the food's good. In and out. I don't know. I don't want to cause a fight. <laughs> flipping burger. I know. I've heard. I've had it. It's not, I don't know. Anyway. Um, flipping burgers. Fine. Whataburger. We'll throw it in there. What? I don't know. Cleaning floors. Whatever it is, lifeguard, this, I don't know, whatever it, the point, there's all of these are opportunities for you to engage with what God's purpose is for your life at work. They're all an opportunity for you to demonstrate to those around you this transformed life. Just, I just have a different approach to work. Why? Because of the one I'm working for because of the one who's, who's changed my life and changed my whole approach to work. Let me give you one more, and we'll end on this one. Not working is contagious. Avoid those who don't work. I just I don't want to miss Paul's warning here. Go back to verse 6. Paul very emphatically says, you need to stay away from people who don't work, who live this way. Don't fellowship with those who, who live this out-of-step life. It's an 
it's a disorderly life. Pastor John calls this uh, flagrant, not fragrant, smelly laziness. No, flagrant laziness. I I love that term. It's so awesome. It's just obviously uh, offensive to God if you're living this way. Be cautious of people who don't work. Paul gives some other instruction in 1 Timothy 5.8. He talks about people who don't provide for their family or support their family. He says, you're actually worse than an unbeliever if you're not willing to do this, to work and and to provide for your family. God is a worker. You're created to reflect God. To not work is as bad as the fool who says God doesn't exist. The fool says there's no God, Psalm 14.1. Be so careful. The kind of influence that you let around you all the time. Be so cautious. A verse that I hope you know, and if you don't, jot it down, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Got to be so careful. Kind of aligning ourselves with those people who who don't live this way, who have that bad approach to work. Got to be so, so careful. We're created with work in mind. Sure, we're created to enjoy and rest and play and worship, but part of our created purpose is also to work. It's a privilege to work. Let me just kind of put that in your head. It's a privilege to work, to use talents that God gives to display his image. Guys, I think Christians should be the best workers. I think Christians should be the hardest workers especially when we think about work like this. When I see God's purpose and I I have his example and I start to realize the benefits that are in front of me. It's awesome. Life is short. It's what we're learning this week. And it's a little counterintuitive, but the answer isn't do whatever. The answer is embrace this transformed life. It does begin with the gospel. It does begin with you getting saved. And that's the most important thing by far this week than, you know, what, where you're working when you get back. But as you think about it, this transformed life will change every aspect of your life, and that certainly includes work, which is why we can have a session like this. Life is short. Work hard. Work hard. Embrace what God has for you. Embrace these things that he's designed for you. All of this is is for our good. Work hard, cool? You got it. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this session, uh, this passage that so clearly teaches us about work. I pray that you would help these high school students think just rightly about your word. Father, ultimately seeing their need for you first and foremost in the gospel. Save them. Show them the kind of worker that you are. Lord, your work of salvation. Help them then to live transformed. Those who are saved, Father, help us to live rightly for you. Father, help us to show who you are to the watching world. Father, would you give us and instill in us a desire to work hard because of who you are and because of what you've done. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.